the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Ad number 239 for Monday, January 25th, 2010. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab. I'm Dave Hamilton here in Durham, New Hampshire. At the beginning, you heard... John F. Braun here in Fairfield, uh, wet, <laughs> very wet Fairfield, Connecticut. And I, I think we, we got this, uh, the, this bout of, uh, of very severe weather from, uh, I think it was something that came from California a little while ago and it just kind of traveled across the U.S. and just walloped us. I don't know about you, man, but we had, I had a triple whammy. We had a flash flood alert, a flood, uh, just a coastal flood warning and a high wind warning. It was, it was pretty brutal this afternoon. Huh. I don't a lot know of power we... outages and stuff. My lights were flickering this morning, oh, wow. and uh, yeah, it was pretty bad, man. It was it was it was uh, unusual weather. So I don't know about the uh, climate change deniers, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't remember something like this in uh, recent memory this time of year, and it was like fifty degrees. So yeah, it was fifty anyway here. Yeah. Anyways, enough yeah. about the weather. Uh, you you probably got a little a uh, little water too. So yeah, same deal. Just rain. I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty mild all day. I mean, it wasn't. We didn't have winds or you know any of that crazy stuff. So. Yeah, and we were looking. Uh, we, we were debugging a little networking issue uh, beforehand, and uh, my cable modem is uh, is up there as far as the the, the signal strength is uh, marginal. I think the the lines are just all soaked. So, anyways, enough of that. Could be, could be. All right, so what do we got Dave. We have we have as I started prepping the show today. You know, I I actually made it through all the comments this week and uh, queued up the ones that made sense to queue up for the show. You you folks know we don't queue up everything, but we, we try to get back to everybody in, in one way or another. Uh, but I queued up, you know, the all the stuff that made sense to queue up. And I looked and we had, you know, about two shows worth of tips, two shows worth of file follow up and like four shows worth of questions. I was like, well, the heck are we supposed to do with this? So, uh, so what we decided to do for this show was to do, uh, all follow ups from previous shows, but, don't think for a second that means we're just going to sit and rehash things we've already talked about. Uh, most, if not all of these follow-ups, John, have tips of their own in them. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of those aha moments in the, that are tucked into the corners there that you, you don't even see them coming. And then, boom, there they are. But, but first, we should at least mention uh, later this week is the, uh, what could perhaps be uh, one of the biggest Apple announcements in in recent years, right? Perhaps the biggest Apple announcement since the iPhone, at least that's, that's what all the buildup says. The rumor mill is in overdrive. It is. It from is what I've seen. Of course, uh, you know, I guess the, the consensus is a, a tablet or slate or whatever the heck you want to call it uh, is probably going to be a, a something they'll announce. And maybe iLife I'd say is a good bet and uh, perhaps some enhancements to the, uh, to the iPhone, uh, uh, maybe, you know, different carriers and, uh, and uh, perhaps a, a upgrade to the OS, I think is the general consensus. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see how, uh, you know, accurate the, uh, the grapevine is on this one. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, from, from everything that I can see, my feeling on it is that we're going to get something more along the lines of uh, like a, a Kindle type thing and an iPhone sort of baked together as opposed to, a, a, you know, a laptop replacement. Right. I mean, that that seems to be what what things point to and that to me, that would make sense. But I mean, you know, 
Other than what we've all read online, I don't have any, you know, inside info. Uh, the only thing I'll have to say, I, I was thinking, uh, I, I couldn't quite wrap my mind around writing an article about this, but I had a number of years ago actually kicked the tires on a couple of tablets. Uh, Fujitsu had one and uh, uh, running Windows XP Tablet Edition. Uh, Fujitsu had one that was a pure tablet and then Toshiba. I used one of those. There was a hybrid tablet and it had a keyboard. Um, you know, Apple's really going to have to do something pretty darn impressive to to impress me because I did not like using any of these tablets. I, I felt they were right. poorly executed. Now it could just be because it was taking Windows and just saying, "Oh, we're going to take away the keyboard and add a pen." And, right, and that that right. was kind of the approach, and and it wasn't the right approach because it didn't really buy you anything, in, in my humble opinion. So no, that's right. Um, I agree with you. And and but we know Apple's not going to do that. You know, I will we'll talk a little bit about this. Then we do have to get into all these follow ups. But yes, but you know, my my feeling is, and I, I think I said this. I've I've done a lot of podcasts in the last week, but uh, I think I said this when I did the OWC radio thing with with Tim Robertson. Is look, Apple's not on the ropes. They don't. They're not in a position where they have to release some great product to save the company. I mean, you know, their earnings today were were pretty darn good, right? You know, 41% profit margin. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy, right? So, you know, if if they didn't feel like whatever it is they're going to announce on Wednesday, tablet or not, if they didn't feel like it was some killer product, they just leave it, you know, be and not not do anything, right? So that... that there you go. Yeah, and from what I understand, they've had a tablet-like device in the labs for quite a long time. Mm. Apple, as as we know, doesn't just, uh, for the most part, except for things like the Cube and all that, typically yeah, right. doesn't toss things out there just because they can. They make it a, a compelling experience, as we've seen with the iPod and the iPhone and stuff like that. They they study the market, they understand user needs, and when they come up with something, it's it's a hit. So uh, let's hope let's hope they get it right. But uh, yeah, that's a Thursday. It is no Wednesday or Wednesday. I'm sorry, Wednesday. So. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll we'll see. So, but anyways, on to um, not us telling you what we think, though we may, but you telling us. About that's right. And we'll what start. You think we'll start with Jeff, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see if we'll see if everything works like it's supposed to, because nothing on my end is working like it's supposed to tonight. So, hey, John and Dave, it's Jeff from Denver, Colorado. I was just listening to episode two thirty six, and Jim had called in about his, I believe, iMac locking up. I actually had that exact same issue with a MacBook the other week, and it turns out what it was is it came by default with half a gig of RAM, and I upgraded it to two gigs. I got a two-gig stick from Otherworld Computing, and I had left one of the 256-meg sticks in just to give it a little bit more than two gigs, and the machine could not handle that much RAM, and every time I would try and wake it up from sleep by opening the lid or even a reboot, it would crash. Uh, I removed the 256 meg stick from it, and the problem magically went away. Uh, if you have any questions, you can. E- All right, uh, that's interesting. So I think huh. that model iMac can take more than two gigs of RAM. I think he could put two two gig sticks in there to, to get it up to four. But John, perhaps it's that the RAM wasn't, uh, you know, the the new RAM wasn't compatible with the old RAM, perhaps. Well, I think what he was doing is, uh, so in general, with um, all of the Macs that I've seen, especially the ones that take RAM in pairs, um, it's always to your benefit. There are no more, other than the Mac Pro, there is nothing that requires or even benefits from RAM in pairs. Um, 
I have an article that, that would. Uh, uh, I would beg to differ. Okay. Let's let's uh, uh no. Um, I have seen and and uh, I'll I'll dig up the article, but it hints at the fact that you get the best memory performance if they're a matched pair. Not saying you can't mix them, but if you do have the exact same chip in in the pair of slots, which I think is how most of the machines are are set up, uh, whether it be a a pro machine that has, you know, maybe two, four, six, eight. I think a lot of them have four or eight slots. I think it's always your benefit to try to put in chips that are identical in both of the slots. You certainly cannot. That's but but true. if you do, from what I recall, you you usually realize maybe I think it's something you know not not a biggie like a ten percent performance increase if you have a matched pair of identical RAM chips. He of course had two different ones, and I'm just wondering if if the two fifty six and the other one that they were too far, uh, they were too different from one another that they just got upset and rather than you know the machine telling you this, it just kind of didn't work right so, so so i'd say if you can if you if it's at all possible whenever you do the ram in any mac and it has pairs of ram slots try to get a matched pair and i, I think you're going to eliminate a lot of grief i i i will clarify that i i i think on the model imac that i have and on the macbook pros that we have it doesn't matter i i really don't think that there is any dual okay. channel support or anything but i i do recall seeing something about the new imacs that are on the i7 and i5 processors that they do have dual channel access and with that you're absolutely right you'll get that that 10 you know maybe maybe even 15 percent speed bump uh if your ram is in pairs that's that's right yeah so I'll dig up the article because I know I've seen it. I know uh, not just Apple, but other vendors really encourage you to to try to get the same uh, the the same chip. So, uh, it, but it's awesome that he pulled that chip and uh, and everything was great. So yeah, it, and when you you said that the chips were too far apart in in capabilities, you weren't necessarily referring to their capacities as much as you were no. their speed or their um, yes. uh, exactly. There's a couple other ratings on on RAM chips, and and you need to. You need to have those as matched as possible, even if the sizes are different. So, uh, okay, but yeah. good tip. It 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 kind of it, it does bother me that the machine, rather than pointing this out, saying, "Whoa, you, you got some chips here that aren't quite you know in sync here," and uh, could you please fix this? It it just kind of locked up. You can see some of that information if you go into System Profiler. And go into yes. memory. It, it will show you the speed and the type of RAM that's in there. And, and it doesn't show you everything, but it'll give you an idea as to, you know, are you even close on on these specs? So, Right. Like I'm looking, for example, I'm looking at my G5. My, yep. my G5, I have eight slots in here. I have four. Uh, so I have, uh, they are all the same speed. So in, in the G5, they're all PC3200 um, chips. And then I have... Uh, a one gig, two one gigs, two more one gigs, two five twelves, and two two fifty sixes. So in this machine, they're all paired up in some fashion. So this machine has eight slots, which I think is typical of the uh, desktop machines, and uh, everything just runs runs along happily. Um, cool. I may try just as an experiment to kind of scramble them up a bit and just see if if uh, if I run into any. Any problems? Just for you, the listener, I'm, I'm going to try this. <laughs> yeah, I think the G5 was a machine where, that definitely benefited from RAM and pairs. The, typically, yes. the, the tower machines were... Oh, were well, it also says here, this is interesting, too, and I, I hadn't noticed this until I just brought this up in the profiler, but it has a little status column. Mm-hmm. And all of these chips, it says, okay. So, if you suspect a RAM problem, I'm, I'm wondering if it says, not okay, or... <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm wondering if, if he looked, I'm wondering if he looked in the system profile, he would have seen some sort of indication, either seeing that the speeds were different um, or if the, whatever comes up in the status column that, that is not okay. Uh, right. If that would have uh, helped him diagnose it, but he, uh, he diagnosed it. Yep. Excellent. Cool. All right. Moving on to uh, a snow leopard discussion from a quick time discussion from last week. G'day, John. G'day, Dave. It's Andrew here in San Francisco, following up on an item in MacGeekGab236. Uh, it's about QuickTime 7. If you've already got Snow Leopard on your machine and uh, you're missing QuickTime 7 for whatever reason, just put the Snow Leopard uh, DVD into your, uh, into your Mac and uh, choose Optional Installs, and you will find uh, QuickTime 7 there as an option to install. So you get both QuickTime X and QuickTime 7. Uh, the reason I know is that I like listening to internet radio stations from Australia. I can't play those on QuickTime X um, because of the uh, Windows Media ASX files. It works in QuickTime 7, uh, but not QuickTime X. And uh, also, too, I use Flip for Mac 2.2.3.7. Uh, the most recent versions of Flip for Mac don't work for me. So install QuickTime 7 and 2.2.3.7 for Flip for Mac, and you can listen away to your heart's content. Thanks. Well, thank you uh, very much there, Andrew. I'm almost positive that, at least on the one machine uh, on my uh, uh, my MacBook Pro, that I don't recall checking that box because I did an upgrade. I did not do a fresh install, so I think if it's already on there, it's going to it's gonna toss it if it's not already in the utilities folder, but... Um, but no, that's a that's a a good thing because yeah, there's definitely a, a capability issue between the two of them. I, I think we touched on it in an earlier show that, um, for example, the QuickTime Seven has some nice things like speed up that, that are at least readily accessible. But when we were addressing that issue earlier, where you can go to a AV, I think it's the AV control panel or view, and you can speed up a video up to three times. I don't I, I don't know where the heck that is in the uh, QuickTime Ten player. Or QuickTime Player it's, 10. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Or I can't find it. It may be in there somewhere, but uh, it, it's funny how the newer version has less capability. Unless, because the, the, the concept of pro players is, is kind of gone now, right? That's gone. Yeah, at least currently. Uh, who knows if they'll come back around. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure what they've done. I mean, I get the idea that they want to simplify the interface and, you know, make it more streamlined and blah, 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 whatever. Uh, you, you know, I'm, we're going to jump around here, John, on our on our little you know back end agenda. Uh, w- we were talking about this QuickTime thing and talking about speeding up video, and the one thing that we didn't really have an answer for was, uh, can you do it on the iPhone? And the answer is no, you can't do it on the iPhone uh, without some help. Although it certainly seems like this is an opportunity for a third party app, uh, but until that exists. We do have one option that many people wrote in about and uh, and and Chris was happy enough to explain uh, with an audio comment. Hey, John and Dave, it's Christopher with MacWorks in Minneapolis. I was listening to your recent show, number 236, where a listener had a question about speeding up video. And um, I know I just did this the other day with a video that I um, created. I, I don't do a lot of video, but I just happened to make one the other day. And um, iMovie does have a feature for um, speeding up the video clip. So if the uh, listener already has the videos encoded um, in a format that, uh, that iMovie is happy with, you can bring it in there. And then using the clip adjustments 
um, options, you can speed up the video there and have some control over how much faster you want the video to play. Hopefully that helps. Thanks, guys. You do a great show, and uh, look forward to more. Take care. Awesome. And then, as uh, thanks, Chris. As many people pointed out, uh, you can then export from iMovie to uh, to iTunes, and and you know, boom, you're good to go. It's got uh, the audio file and and uh, or the video or whatever it is you want it to be, and uh, and you're good to go. Yeah, I think we were advised that you got to be careful with the, the what fa- speed factor you use, and is that you don't want to uh, chipmunk because um, I guess everything gets sped up, uh, the audio and the uh, the video. So you, you don't want to. Yeah, I think a three times increase would probably make it uh, pretty much unintelligible unless. Uh, right. So I think it was suggested yeah. one and a half times is probably a, a, a safe, uh, you know, balance between you know increased throughput and you still being able to understand uh, what the heck uh, the the person's saying. You know, now that I think about it, uh, there's a program that I use every now and then, and, and I'll uh, I will have used it on this show to edit out. Uh, we we don't typically do any post production here, but if there's an audio glitch or if we have a little thing that we've got to uh, deal with, uh, I'll edit it out. And we had an issue like that a couple of minutes ago, John. And I use a program called Sound Studio, and that has, I believe, that has the ability to change the speed and maintain the pitch. Uh, so that, that, that would be an interesting thing to try. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know, you know, sound edit 16 way back in the day. And I think that'll probably conjure up some memories for some of you, uh, definitely have that ability. And I believe I've, I've mucked with that in sound studio as well. So, uh, so that, that would be another option there now that I, now that I think about it. Cool. Cool. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to Neil. We were talking about remote shutdowns and, shutting down your Mac that was apparently frozen uh, from either another Mac or from your iPhone. And Neil Bernstein has uh, an interesting little tip to add. He says, I'd like to piggyback on a tip. Uh, hmm, I'll start that again. I'd like to piggyback a tip on one you guys gave us during number 236. Dave talked about remotely shutting down a stuck machine using SSH from another Mac or from an iPhone. I've done both and it works great. One of the things required is the IP address of the machine you want to shut down. That can be a problem since the machine's address can change if you're using DHCP. But the machine's name never changes. And thanks to Bonjour, you can always connect to any Mac on your network by name, even when invoking SSH, by just adding dot .local dot, all lowercase, to its name. So if the machine's name is Durham, you can connect to it from within your network as Durham.local. This works from any machine that's got Bonjour installed, which includes any Mac, iPhone, or iPod Touch, along with, I think, any Windows machine that's got iTunes installed, since iTunes uses Bonjour for library sharing. Awesome. Thank you, Neil. That's, uh, that's fantastic. That's, uh, um, and I'm sure that would work. Any, any Very thoughts nice. on and that? Of course. Um, well, one thought is that, um, you know, I did something recently, uh, uh, Gadget, um, this Monday, actually, that uh, if you are wondering about the IP address of a machine, then uh, uh, there is something, uh, is it IP Scanner? I believe it's IP Scanner that, that I did a little ditty about that um, will probe your local network and tell you the IP addresses of all the interesting things that are on your uh, local network. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, of course, you got to be careful. Uh, actually, a follow up to that is if you're going to run any sort of scanning tool and, and people brought this up in the comments, but I'll mention it again. If you're going to be uh, running a tool that kind of blasts a message out on 
any network saying, and I actually, you know, I, I shouldn't have done this, but I actually did try to uh, run this uh, in the workplace. Um, oh. it, it was, uh, well, nobody yelled at me and, and you know, uh, nobody yelled at me and I ran it. But, but as soon as I saw like a flood of things coming up, I mean, it was reporting uh, printers and computers and stuff. I, I stopped it immediately. And, and again, no one from our uh, IT group, uh, you know, came to my desk and took my, my Mac away. So, um, <laughs> but be careful when you run these scanning tools, or as we suggested, if you ping a, a broadcast address, be careful because it can be viewed as an attack or just something very unusual. And, uh, and if, if, you know, especially in an enterprise or an educational uh, environment, if they have any sort of tool that looks for people doing this sort of stupid stuff, then, uh, yeah, you, you may get a call saying, uh, why did you, you know, uh, why are you probing the network? There you go. So be careful. But, um, but no, that's great. Bonjour. And, and yeah, I think there's also an optional, uh, sometimes you can install, yeah, if, if you choose not to install uh, iTunes, for whatever reason, on a Windows machine. I believe you can install that there is just a standalone Bonjour for Windows installer that will give you Bonjour without, you know, all the extra cruft of, uh, if for whatever reason, you don't want to install install uh, iTunes. That's true. Yep. And you can do it for printer sharing and and uh, and that sort of thing. Yep. 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 Cool. All right. Uh, moving on to Ken, as we were talking about creating a test user account, Ken's got an interesting question. Hey, John and Dave, this is Ken from Anchorage, Alaska. I was listening to episode 236, and you were talking about uh, the pain and agony of maintaining a pristine user profile to test all things buggy on your Mac. Well, here's a crazy thought, and I don't know if it would work. I assume it would. What if, when things go horribly wrong with your Mac, only then do you create a new pristine user profile? So... Um, you don't have to worry about all the apps and, you know, did I install that in this folder or the, the full, you know, Mac system folder? Or, you know, what about all the crud that I share with my family and the apps that I put here and there and this other place? Yeah, reduce the stress in your life. So as the problem arises, create a new profile and then test it. And then, you know, it, whenever you diagnose the problem and the bug goes away, just wax that profile. Nuke and pave. Anyway, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Take it easy, fellas. Oh, yeah. And say hi to Pilot Pete. <laughs> you bet. Yeah, Pilot Pete. Hi, Pilot uh, Pete. Uh, yeah, hi, Pete. He's not here tonight. Is he in a, He's in Tennessee, I think. I, I believe that's where he is. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, he's, he's still at pilot school. That's right. Yeah. I think. Um, I like it. I, I actually, uh, well, I, th I think the suggestion has its pluses and minuses. I, I actually kind of like it because at the point you're creating the account, uh, all other things being equal, you, uh, rather than creating a, a, you know, a, an account when you first get the machine, which could have the possibility of cruft being added to it for whatever reason, I kind of like the idea of creating it as soon as you detect there's a problem, um, if, if you see where I'm going with this. I, definitely. Yeah. I think, it, um, I, think I think you should do both. I think as soon right. as you get your machine, in addition to creating, and, and I think you and I are in the same camp, Dave, is that, I mean, every machine that I have, when, when I create an account, it's an admin account. I, I rarely, though, though I think you do because you're in a household with multiple users. I, I personally don't use user accounts. All, all my accounts, I only have pretty much one account. Well, except for my test account. But my main account is an admin account, and then I may have a test account that's a uh, user account. 
Yeah, well, I okay, so so a couple of things. I definitely create the test account as an admin account because I know that I'm going to want Oh. Uh, I'm not def- as a user account. No, 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 oh, because okay. because so here's the thing. I like Ken's idea and for troubleshooting, it's it's brilliant because as you said, John, and as Ken said, it creates a pristine environment that you know nothing's been added to because nothing has been added to it. You just made it. However, the other reason for creating a test account is if you can't get into your main user account. And at that point, if you can't get into it, there's no way to create a new one. Right. <laughs> so so that's why I think, uh, you know, we, we both recommend doing both. And it's also for that reason that my test account that I create when I first get a machine is an admin account because I want to, the ability to have full access to everything in the event that I can't get into my main user account, I want to just be able to log in and I'm good to go. And yeah, you know, you can authenticate the account using other credentials, but suppose something's happened to those credentials and that's why you can't get in in the first place. Uh, you know, I, I like that second set of admin credentials on the machine with, without question. So, you know, to, yeah. to, to build on that. Yeah. Why the heck not create a te- and we're calling it when we say test account, we mean an account that you're probably not using unless bad things happen. Right. Why not create a user account and an admin account? Yeah, you could. Sure. I, yeah. I see no reason. Yeah, they not. don't. Just they, they don't take up that much space. I mean, unless you add documents, which of course the whole point is right, right. not to. So yeah, yeah. That's yeah. There you go. There you go. Thanks, Ken. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, we, we'll go to Jeff, and then we'll uh, we'll move into. Uh, well, we'll see where this goes. Hey, John and Dave. This is Jeff from New York. I'm calling about a structural question on the show. Frequently people say, this is where you cut me off when they leave you something with voice. And I'm sure that's because they want to protect their privacy and you want to protect it too. But probably I'm guessing you do not get back to them individually. It would just take too much time and you ask us to call in for the show. So if this is the case, it probably would be beneficial if you told everyone. Never have to leave us that information. We can't be a free tech support service for you, but we love discussing the questions on the show. So, hope to hear the answer, and this is where you cut me off, because I'm done talking. Take care. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we, we can't guarantee to be free tech support for everyone. That That's definitely true. Uh, however, we do try to answer most questions that come in, if possible. Uh, a, because... If we have time, we like to do it. And B, it does help us flesh things out for the show. And sometimes I'll read a question and think, oh, no, we're not going to talk about this on the show. But I know the answer, so I'm going to reply to this person anyway. And I'll reply, and it's in, in the process of replying that I realize, oh, you know what? This actually, this is a wide enough, you know, cast a wide enough net. We sh- we should talk about this. So that's one reason. The other reason is sometimes we'll get a question and we'll have no idea or we'll have a or we'll have a question of our own to say, well, wait a minute. What are you talking about there? Or did you try this or what's this look like? And then we'll take that information and fold it in to the question that we then present uh, here on the show. So so we do like to have that contact info. And uh, and, it, and, you know, the, the this is where you cut me off thing seems to uh, seems to seems to be working for all of us here. So I, I'm OK with it. I think, John, you're okay with it if uh, if all of you are. I'm cool. All right. Speaking of contacting us, John, it's time mm-hmm. to tell everyone how all these follow-ups and tips and, you know, all this other stuff, all these reactions come in. It's time. Yeah. 
yeah, it's time. And we don't have a jingle for this or anything. So it's just up to us. We got to lead right into it, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of these days you'll lead into it. One of these days you'll catch my pitch there. All right. So, yeah, I got your pitch. Okay. If you want to get in touch with us, the thing that we love, despite the audio file name collision thing, which we may talk about a little bit later, yep. but audio comments are, I think, always the preferred method. If you can get us an audio comment, um, recorded on your, your iPhone, your iPod touch on your Mac using, uh, whatever, uh, you know, sound recording utility. And, uh, you can send it to us, uh, attach it to an email and, um, oh, what's the email? Gosh, Dave, the email address is feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Now I think uh, I heard you right, Dave, is you said feedback at MacGeekGab.com, but I think there's a, well, yeah, that that's the main address. That is the main address. Oh, that's right. And if you want to uh, send a comment into the premium show, it's premium at MacGeekGab.com. We read them Did all. Did you say premium at MacGeekGab.com? <laughs> I did. I did. Premium at MacGeekGab.com. Sure. We do. Feedback at and premium at. We read them all. Uh, it does help us know who's what and keep us keep things straight. I don't know. If, uh, you know, it, it, we see everything that comes in. So, uh, And even premium where uh, eh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Skype to Mac Geek Cab, that still works. At, at least, yep. and you know, there's this thing called the uh, the telephone. You know, actually, I've been considering, uh, strongly considering, um, in these trying economic times, maybe economizing because I still have. Uh, you may be shocked, Dave, but I still have a landline, an old copper wire landline. Yeah, we gave up AT&T. our our landline, but we have two Vonage lines that that effectively serve that purpose. And we've been considering giving those up too, and just moving to, you know, AT&T. So uh, for those of you that are iPhone customers, AT&T now has a $99 a month flat rate, unlimited voice and data plan for the iPhone. That's for a single iPhone. If you've got two iPhones on a family plan that actually you save 10 bucks a phone, it's one seventy nine. So, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's some, there's some possibility in there. We've, we've been talking about getting rid of the, the landline here too, or the, yeah, the Vonage I, line. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about it too, because, uh, the, the, the cable service here, which is, um, cable vision or optimal online, they do have this, uh, triple play thing, which I find the commercials incredibly annoying. Sorry guys that <laughs> just <laughs> cut it out, but no, they, they hinted at the fact that because I already have my cable service with them. And my um, television service with them, so both uh, my cable modem and my cable TV, they hinted at the fact that I could add on telephone for um, quite a bit less than my my landline copper phone. So I'm I'm still though I'm wary because of these you know limited deals and you know the combo deals that expire after a year, and I, I hate that stuff. It's just just tell me how much extra you want, and so so I got to explore that. Um, further, but if you did want to pick up a telephone, whether it be a cell phone or a landline phone or uh, you know Skype phone or whatever, I, I think Dave, what you do is you dial two zero six 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 geek, which is four three three five. That's two zero six 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 four three three five. But wait, there's less. Oh no, actually, that's it. Uh, all right, moving on. You know, we talked about. A very interesting problem that Joe was having a few shows ago where he uh, was unable to change the printing defaults. And we sent Joe in to uh, he was having a problem where it was always printing in landscape mode and he wanted to go back to portrait and he he couldn't figure it out. And this was in Apple Mail. And, and it was I think it was reducing it by 75 percent. Oh, it, that weirder. too. It was doing both. It was scaling right. it and rotating it, which I assume is not what he wanted. So it was like. 
What, where the heck was it getting this info, Dave? Right. So we sent Joe to home library preferences and pointed him to a file called com.apple.mail.plist. Uh, and so Joe took that and ran with it. Now, that did not fix the issue. Looking in that file, there was nothing in there. Uh, deleting that file, there was nothing in there. However, uh, he took that and ran with it and actually wound up talking, I believe, to AppleCare. Uh, I'll read what Joe had to say. He said, turns out there is a plist printing file that apparently all Apple apps use. It is home library preferences, com.apple.print.printingprefs.plist. A lot of P's in there. Uh, it's in the location you mentioned. Yep, but not related to mail, which was my issue. Well, it turned out that when I tried printing in Safari, I normally use Firefox, I had the same defaults. So that suggested a common Apple resource file that was used for printing and hence the eventual file found in that plist pile are the rows extracted for the orientation and the scaling, which was also defaulting to 75%. And sure enough, he shows the two lines in this plist. I will admit that after figuring out the issue, it was ultimately, ultimately Apple care that helped me find the actual file. A little bit of extra brain power never hurts. So, uh, so that is the file. If you want to, alter your defaults for printing system wide for your Apple written apps. That's the place you go. Uh, I guess it's possible a third party could tap into this. And perhaps it was a third party that wrote to this. Joe, Joe was trying to figure out, and I don't think we have an answer for this. So, so we'll throw it out as a geek challenge. Do you have an answer for this? How it got changed? Okay, all right. Well, well cool. I think I may. Yeah. Well, first, I don't know how it got changed, but but I do believe I'm looking right now at a print dialog uh, in text edit. But if you look at the print dialog, so of course the first item is a printer, but then the second item is something called presets. And what I see right now is it's set to something called standard. But then there are also it it also has an entry last used settings and it also has a save as. And I'm wondering if at some point in time, somebody went into presets and perhaps fiddled with the print settings and they somehow got saved as the standard configuration. I'll have to dig with this more because I, I typically don't, uh, I just take whatever the print dialog gives me. And if I want to change something like the orientation or the scaling or whatever, I'll just change that on the fly. I will not lock it in as one of these presets. So, so I'm suspecting that, that the presets area may be where yeah. For whatever reason, someone dove in there at some point in time, either him or another user, and said, oh, you know, I love these settings. You know, landscape and 75% is what I want to do all the time. <laughs> and, and it's somehow saved it. So so I would encourage him to look in the presets area and see if there's anything there that, that looks un, unusual. If, the, if there are any presets in there, if there are, um, I don't have any myself. I don't know about you if, if you're checking your system. I, I am. Uh, and somehow I've locked up mail. So now I'm really worried because, nice. uh, you know, I'm re recording uh -oh. the show on this machine, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I was going to go and, and make a new preset and see if it updated that preferences file. So uh, so I'm looking here. Yeah, why not? Let's uh, let's change this to 75 percent. And uh, this is live geekdom here for you, folks. All right, so it's, it's no, can't be seven thousand percent. What is going on with my computer here? Yeah, this is not the thing to mess with when you're doing a podcast, by the way, folks. No. So why don't we just say the presets is an area that you you may want to explore if your your printing is doing consistently. No, no, it's not because right. I saved okay. a new preset and it saved okay. it in com dot apple dot print dot custom presets dot plist. Yeah. 
Yeah. How do you know this, Dave? Well, the, I know, but you, you, you tell us. Yeah, good question. So what I did was I opened up the home library preferences folder and I sorted it by date modified. And then uh, I went and started mucking about in the uh, in the aforementioned mail system print dialog. And immediately I saw that window update and this file floated right to the top. So I think it's a safe assumption that since I was messing with custom print presets, it's entirely possible that that's where that uh, that's where that goes. So, okay, And that's something I got to explore because I I honestly have I I just saw it there. I see it's a menu choice and uh, I see it has well, it says standard. Mine right now says standard and last used settings. But then, as you pointed out, it's a different plist file. So um, we'll 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 muck around with uh yeah, now, now, here's something interesting. I, I chose to print with that. And then another file floated to the top, com.apple.print.printerproxy.plist. Again, more P's and R's, oh and all that fun stuff. But that's yet another file. And now I'm on last use settings. And if I muck around with that, uh, I don't think it's going to make a difference. No, no. So, OK, uh, OK. I yeah. got to say, Dave, I'm really excited because uh, remember I was talking about, um, you know, my old uh uh, uh, HP uh, DeskJet 990 CSE. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this. I tweeted about it a bit, but uh, a friend of mine clued me in that HP had like this amazing deal. So I actually have on the way, I think it's coming Wednesday, a uh, uh, photo, uh, HP photo printer, a B8550 that'll print 13 by 19. Dude. And part of the deal was, so, uh, so it's a cool photo printer. It has like a little display. You can put in memory cards, um, but the, it was normally a $300 printer. They just stopped this, though. The, you know, it's too late now to get a deal on it. But it was 300 bucks. They had a 150 instant rebate, and then they had a um, $50 uh, trade-in if you traded in your old printer, which I happen to have. Sure. Like, of course, yes. <laughs> the old one. So the price of it was great. And also, the ink is a lot cheaper because this... Uh, the, the, the printer I have now, is, is uh, as you know, has uh, the COIM cartridge. It has a black cartridge and a COIM cartridge, and the COIM cartridge in this thing is really expensive, uh, relatively expensive. Uh, this new printer has a C, a Y, an yeah. M, and then a photo black and a black cartridge, and they're like ten bucks each, or, or maybe a little. So it it looks like a really really nice. So I have a new baby coming, and you know I may do a mini review, but um, awesome. You know I figure every ten years, you know it's <laughs> it's about time to get a new photo printer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you gonna order a tablet on Wednesday, John? No. <sighs> I, well, unless I think I need one. Yeah, you need one. I don't. I don't. Of course, you I don't need think. One. I don't think I need one. No, um, maybe not. All right, let's see. Anyways, moving on. But but I'm excited yeah. to get a new HP printer, and it is advertised as compatible with uh, Leopard, whereas uh, Snow Leopard. Whereas, of course, this one, as, as you recall, they said, "Sorry, Charlie, we're, yeah, we're not right. writing a new driver for you." That's right. All right, let's uh, let's talk to Phil about. Uh, we talked about a machine that wouldn't go to sleep. And we suggested some things, and Phil has some uh, kind of piggyback ideas for that. Hey, John and Dave. Phil Mars here from the heart of North Carolina. On MacGeekGab number 236, you discussed an issue about not getting your screen to blank and stay black through the night. I recently had this issue, and I found two things that corrected the problem. I'm using a Bluetooth Mighty Mouse, and I found that if the tracking sensitivity is on either the last or the second to last tick mark, walking through the room will be enough to unblank the screen. It's possible that even the airflow from my ceiling fan is enough. The second wow. thing, and probably the easiest to miss, is if you have any video playback application open like QuickTime or VLC, 
These tend to naturally turn off the screensaver modes while they are in the foreground, and sometimes even if they're just open. So if you make sure you shut down those applications before attempting to blank the screen, that will ensure your screen doesn't have an application trying to keep it on. I hope these tips help. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Phil. That's good stuff. Awesome. And, and, and I think these are encompassed. Uh, so there is an article, Dave, yes. um, in the Apple Knowledge Base, um, HT1776. The title of the article is Mac OS X, Why Your Mac Might Not Sleep or Stay in Sleep Mode. And, um, and he definitely uh, nailed it here, I think, as far as one of the reasons, because if you dig into this article, that they have a, a section saying some things reset the sleep timers, preventing the computer from sleeping. And one of them is moving the mouse or using a portable Mac's trackpad, pressing a mouse button, or pressing a key on the keyboard. There are several other things. We'll link to this article. But there are a number of things that can uh, reset these sleep timers uh, to make it so that your Mac never goes to sleep. Cool. All right. That's great, man. Yeah, that's. Uh, the, the, I was just thinking the show notes for this show are going to be chock full of goodness. It just, it, it can't go any other they are. way. I think I so. I mean, they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about Brad. We, we had a kind of recurring conversation about battery life recently. And, uh, and Brad had an interesting little anecdote to share. He says, just caught up on my episodes after being in Jamaica for a bit. Yeah, sure. Brad, rub it in. Uh, and I thought I would tell you my battery story. I remember you guys saying something about 300 cycles being a limit of some kind on Mac batteries. And as an aside, it is. It's the point at which Apple uh, gives up on warrantying your battery, even if it's under Apple Care. That's for the removable batteries, for the uh, built-in, kind of baked-in batteries. It's 1,000 cycles. So, uh, well, I just looked at the battery health monitor, and my cycle count is at 150% or about 598 charge cycles. My MacBook is only about a year and a half to two years old, but I constantly take it everywhere with me, so I am on battery quite a bit. The interesting part of the info I get from Battery Health Monitor is that it says my current capacity is 200 milliamp hours larger than the original capacity. I guess I got the one really good battery out of the batch. Anyway, just thought I would share it with you. Keep up the good work, etc. Thank you, Brad. This lends credence, John, to my theory that cycling the battery more rather than doing what I do and leaving it charged on the bench and charging all of the time is actually very, very good for the battery. Uh, and so I've I've increased my schedule and now every two weeks, uh, whether I need to or not, and I probably need to, I cycle my battery on my MacBook Pro. So. Yeah, they, yeah, it just doesn't sound right. Uh, from what I understand, most of the batteries, if they hit 300, they'll... I'll kind of yell at you saying, you know, I'm, I'm done, man. You charged me. But apparently the Mac doesn't strictly enforce that if he's getting 598. And 200 milliamp hour more power than he got or then it, it's not to be clear. Battery health monitor reports what it believes to be the original maximum capacity of a battery. It's almost always going to be incorrect for your battery. Either by, mm -hmm. you know, by a couple hundred milliamp hours on one side or another. I mean, I, you know, mine says 5,500 milliamp hours. Well, my battery came and it was like 5312. It's like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. You know, but, but perhaps yep. Brad's came and it was a little higher and it stayed there, which is cool. So. Yep. Well, I had that happen because it was, as, as you recall. Yeah. I did um, ship, you know, I did call Apple Care and, uh, but because Snow Leopard said my batteries were shot or it said, uh, you know, 
in the uh, the battery menu, it said a you know service battery, and I'm like, huh, well, that's weird. So I called Apple, and they shipped me two new batteries, and and just looking right here, original capacity, which you know I I think I'm with you is that that's a a kind of accepted value for this type of battery, and it's 5500 as you pointed out. The right. current capacity, which doesn't make me too sad, is 5421. Okay, I'm cool with that. The current charge, which is weird because it says 100%, is 5398. So it's it's funny because I, I've cycled this battery a couple of times that I've brought it, uh, and as uh, Apple recommends, and we'll link to this article as well, Apple recommends that what you do is you, is you do a calibration where you charge the battery. I, I believe the process is you charge the battery up to full you, you leave it there for a couple hours, then you totally deplete it and then let it sit for, I think, about five hours. And right. it should calibrate the battery. Now, what, what strikes me as weird is that it's not quite at the maximum capacity of this battery. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I mean, it's close. I mean, it's certainly more than before because before the battery was starting to, you know, drain. And I think the, the capacity was in the 4,000s or maybe even the 3,000s. Oh, yeah. Now it's definitely in a nicer range. And I'm very happy that they, uh, that they gave me the new batteries. But, but I'm, the, the numbers I'm seeing are, are kind of weird. But they're in the 99 to 100% range. So I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's not going to be perfect. The, the circuitry in there, you're dealing with chemicals that are reacting in ways to power. And, uh, you know, it's like the uh, it's it's kind of like the, the Borg ship or something, isn't it? It's, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's its own little entity in there. What? You can't mess with it. I don't know. Don't listen to me. Uh, I don't know let's Borg like, but let's listen to yes. Brett. Go. Hey, guys, this is Brett from Appleton again. I don't know why I feel compelled to respond repeatedly to show 234, but had an interesting battery story maybe you'd want to share, and that was that uh, with an original MacBook Pro, uh, and I've already given the punchline here, but the uh, symptom that I had was that the button for the trackpad stopped working. It no longer You could no longer feel the mechanical click there. And, uh, of course, Google knew the answer. When I Googled MacBook, you know, trackpad button not working, it said something about bad battery. Check the uh, batteries expanding. And sure enough, the battery is located right underneath the trackpad in that model. And the battery expanded to the point where the trackpad button could no longer be pushed down. Anyway, under Apple Care, you know, they quickly replaced the battery and all was good in the end. So thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. That's, That's uh, really bad, man. To me, a battery physically bulging, that that's... Yeah, well, that's we talked as bad as it like leaking acid or something. That's that's just bad. But but yeah, yeah, no, he's right. It's, it's right next to the button. So um, on certain models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. All right. I guess every now and then you may want to just uh, you know, like I I actually now I regularly rotate every, every uh, couple of charge cycles. I'll rotate between the two batteries I have now. I always, and I don't know about you, Dave, but I always have. Well. Well, no, you, you, we have the same model. Of course, you, you can't do this with the newer Macs because you can't no. take the battery out. But I always, uh, and I would recommend this on any Mac, uh, portable Mac that you use uh, you know, with a removable battery, is I, w- I would rotate among your batteries uh, frequently every couple of times. So if there's something like this where it's bulging or doing something weird or leaking oh, that's or whatever. that's a good point. You'll see it. Y- you can see it. Uh, before, uh, I, I didn't used to do this. I used to pretty much leave the battery in there for months and months on end and then switch in the other one. But now I'm, I'm more prone to, uh, to, to, to swap them out every couple of charge cycles. Um, again, just to keep them balanced. And, uh, and also, you know, if there's something weird going on with the battery that I'll notice it like bulging, but I've never seen that, that, that is kind of scary. Yeah. That's a good point to keep them balanced because 
it, it, it is important to keep a battery in use. Uh, so yeah, that's good. I, I, I only have one battery that I use regularly in my machine. So, uh, you know, it stays in there. I have one of those spec, um, you know, specproducts.com makes those, uh, those Lucite plastic kind of clear plastic colored covers. And so I have a green one on my MacBook mm-hmm. pro and I never take it off. So, uh, Oh Yeah. I don't, I don't know okay. if that's a good thing or not, but you know, I never take not it, taking off. it off. Well, mm. and not taking the battery out. It just stays in all the time, but I think I'd probably would, know if it was bulging because yeah. that cover wouldn't fit anymore. So, and I think a uh, little mini tangent, then we'll move on. But yeah. I think we touched upon this is that there is a chance. Um, uh, another reason that you want to rotate batteries is that I think we talked about this. and I think this is still the case. A battery, maybe not with the newer, newer Apple batteries, but some of the older batteries, we did find an article that, a battery can be depleted so far that it is totally dead to anything. Yep. And that it will get to the point where it is so depleted that even if you charge it, it it's, it's shot. I don't know if it's a little chip in there that tells the battery, you know, maximum minimum, but, um, but don't let a battery sit around forever because it, it, it can certainly get to the point where you will never revive it again. So, so keep exercise your batteries, I think is the, uh, the moral of the story here. Yeah. Now, now here's something, and I've seen this mentioned with enough other batteries that I have begun to believe and certainly act uh, in this way, uh, like it's true for Mac batteries. But if you're going to leave a battery on the bench or on the shelf, i.e. not in a computer, not charging, not discharging the best state to start with is about a 60% charge. Everything Hmm. that I've seen about, and and this is very anecdotal, but it's very consistent. You know, anytime I get batteries from it, you know, these, and these are the lithium ion batteries, right? You know, any, anytime I get a device where they Mm -hmm. say, you know, charge the battery, but if you're not going to use it, don't charge it all the way up. You know, get it down a little bit so you're not really? sitting at 100%. Yeah, hmm. and okay. and I don't know, you know, I'm sharing this without all the information. I don't know why that is. I mean, it it seems that, you know, if you if you have it fully charged, maybe there's, uh, you know, the, the 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 Borg energy inside there is 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 too much and it's going to, you know, cause issues. <laughs> I don't know, you know, but uh, but yeah, they, they say leave it at 60%. Then, you know, when you're going to use it, charge it up and and run off and and use it. So I don't, I don't know, know why. You, you I don't pro- know what this Borg thing is. I don't know where that. I don't either. From. But Dave, I I would tend to, you know, if I had to associate the Borg with any computer, I, I certainly wouldn't associate them with the Mac. I don't no, know. I know. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know what I, I haven't been watching Star Trek. I'm not sure where that's coming from, but we're just going to go with it. So right. because what else are we going to do? We're not going to go and edit the show. <laughs> uh, Safari. We talked about someone having tab problems, and I believe Mr. X, but not the Mr. X, has uh, has a solution. And this is a good solution in general for a lot of wacky things I've seen in Safari. Hi. Um, I was just listening to 228, um, hearing about the guy with the Safari problem and everything with the <clears throat> incorrectly colored tabs. If you uninstall Flash and then reinstall Flash, it should work. Adobe Flash, that is. And I've had this issue actually twice. So thanks. All right. Bye. Cool. So, yeah, going in and uninstalling and reinstalling Flash uh, in theory fixes this. And, and that's not a bad thing because 
new versions of Adobe Flash do come out pretty regularly, and you won't necessarily be notified of this uh, unless you visit a Flash-based site that requires something in the new version. And then it'll say, "Hey, hey, you know your your Flash is out of date. You need to you need to update." But other and I just got one of those messages the other day. Uh, but but otherwise, you may not you know you may not know that you that there's a version and. Of course, being geeks, we like to always have the latest version because if we're not living on the bleeding edge, well, you know, where are we living? So, yeah, because I mean, if your system's working fine and then all of a sudden you get all these software updates, I mean, you immediately want to apply them because then you, you introduce a you know sense of randomness and uncertainty. Blindly and immediately. That's right, John. <laughs> That's right. Now, my yeah. question is now, uh, I, I haven't actually run the flash thing. You know, uh, when when he's saying uninstall flash, um, I assume well, is there an, uh, yeah. and this is, you know, a, a thing that's lacking, I think, in, in some Mac installers is that there's an install, but there's not an uninstall. I I, I haven't looked recently to see if Flash, if you run the installer, it has an uninstall button kick around somewhere. Or if you have to muck around in the dirt and rip out all the pieces of Flash before you install a new version. Yeah, know. that's interesting. Or so- just run the latest installer and it kind of takes care of that for you. Uh, well, there there is a tech note on adobe.com that talks about uninstalling the adobe flash player plugin on both windows and the mac so uh, and there's a disk image that you've got to download that has the flash uninstaller so again the show notes for this show are going to be chock excuse me chock full of loving link goodness and uh, i believe that gets us to where we uh we can head out. Although, uh, you know, I, I will say that the sponsor for this show, John, <laughs> is us with our Mac Keycap Premium. 25 bucks, six months, two extra episodes per month, plus access to the full archives. And you get the uh, warm, loving feeling of uh, adding a little bit of support back to uh, to John and I as well. So we definitely appreciate all of you who have signed up. It's uh it's been fantastic, uh, going very well, and and obviously we're happy to do the uh, the sponsored shows for everybody. That's that's not going to change either. So, yeah. yeah. And to clarify, premium does not mean it's better; it means more. You got it. And we'll have to rethink that, but it's just more content. The show notes are always freely available. You got it. Even if you aren't a subscriber, you can glance at the show notes and get it just for what's in the premium show. We want to give you a little taste before you you sign up. That's right. Macworld Expo is coming up, John, February 9th through 13th. The exhibits are 11th through 13th. We're doing a show on the show floor. What are we going to talk about? Well, yeah, see, that's the thing. Because the show floor opens up at noon, I think, on the 11th, correct? Yeah, we're not going to have seen the show floor. So, John, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. What what in the heck are we going to talk about? So, uh, first (laughs) first and foremost... All of you that are coming to the show, come to the live show and bring your questions. We're going to play, you know, Stump the Geeks live. Definitely. Uh, That said, there are things that John and I, you know, we get all these press releases ahead of time about companies that are exhibiting at Macworld. And it's going to, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to be at this show. It's probably going to be over 250 companies exhibiting, right? Uh, So we're going to. huge, man. Yeah, we're going to get lots of press releases. We're going to we're going to look through those, and there's going to be a couple things that we see that we're like, oh, dude, we definitely have to see that. Now, there's also the other things that we're going to stumble on at the show. Obviously, we can't talk about the ones that we're going to stumble on because we won't have stumbled yet. 
uh, at least not upon those booths. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we can give you an idea of, all right, cool, you know, check this thing out, go check this thing out, we're going to do it too, and then we'll talk about it later in the week. So that's that's uh, that's how that show's going to go. So it's we're going to talk about that stuff. We'll probably prep some tips and things just uh, just in case you know you folks don't have any questions. But uh, but I'm sure hoping that you do. Well, if you got even if you're not at the show, so I, I think we'll we'll give uh, you know precedence to questions from the people that are actually there. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know, actually, no, we'll draw because yeah, I mean, yeah. Dave, we, we, we said we have way, way more. I mean, way more people listen to the feed than will be in the audience. But uh, well, also yeah. what I'm saying is that we have way more questions oh. than we could ever possibly get to. We, we try to focus on you know topics that are of general interest and multiple people write in about. So I think we, we may dig into the uh, the email archives and, and right. bring a few out cool. if. You know, if uh, if the folks on the floor don't speak up, which based on what I've seen, they they certainly oh yeah they'll, you know, they'll love to, love to try, especially when it's stump the geek. It's one hour, twelve thirty to one thirty p.m. Thirty minutes after the show floor opens on Thursday, February eleventh. Now that night, also Thursday, February eleventh, because that's how it works. At eight p.m. is Cirque du Mac. You folks have heard us mention that there are uh, tickets available. We have a contest going at uh, at Mac Observer. But, you know, for you folks, the listeners to the show, and since I'm the guy that puts in all the work to actually pull the show together, uh, pull the, the Cirque du Mac together, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like to I like to throw extra tickets to our Mac Geek Gab listeners. And so mm-hmm. there is a secret link. Many of you have already used it. And those of you who have already used it, at least as of this afternoon, we approved all of them. Uh, I can't guarantee that we'll be able to do that all the way through because we are going to run out of room at this thing. But, uh, but you know, the sooner you get in, the better, because I'll go in and check that queue. And if I see a bunch of requests, you know, it's like, ah, is there room? Yeah, all right, fine. Just approve everybody. It's fine. So uh, so thus far, it's been a good thing if you signed up on that list. But, uh, but sign up for the contest, too. It never, never hurts. Um, I actually do want to thank our sponsors for Cirque du Max 7, and they are Circus Ponies, Ecelerate, Microsoft, Project Wizards, Verbatim, and Smile on My Mac, in no particular order. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's what a lineup. Gonna, this party's going to be rocking, man. It's going to be so cool. I'm, I'm so it looking forward is. to it. Yeah. And bring a camera, bring a video camera. Yeah. There's always shenanigans that, that eventually get out on the internet. And uh, <laughs> I think it's been recognized as one of the, yeah. Yeah. iPhone. One, one of the highlights of Macworld. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's all right. No, it's, it is one of the highlights of Mac. Definitely. iPhonealley.com is Michael Johnston's home when he's not converting this show for you. Cashfly provides all the bandwidth. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. The podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebone Software, PDF Pen from Smile on My Mac, Notebook from Circus Ponies, and of course, Mac Geek Gab Premium from us. And that's it. It's time to go and uh, watch all that Monday night television we've come to know and love, John. Because oh, we're Americans. Heroes. That's what we do. Yeah, Heroes coming up, right? Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't watch Heroes. We've been watching uh, 24 yeah. and House and, uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Big Bang Theory, Oh, 24. Of course. Yeah. 24, you're running out of time. Now, you know, the thing was, Dave, at, at last year's party, um, I think somebody caught me um, on film uh, cutting the rug there, and I did get caught. 
Maynard.